Welcome to a Christian and a Buddhist walk into a bar. My name is Jamal, and I'm a Buddhist. My name's Jacob, and I am a Christian. Um, Jacob, today I am feeling quite joyful and happy and like I want to laugh. How about you? Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, no. (laughs) We have laughing yoga going on next door at the library today, um, which um, you were saying felt a bit forced to you? Well, I mean, like any time that someone's like, just laugh, just, you know, like it's like any emotion, like crying on cue, right? I mean, we did walk up. Just laugh, Joel. We did walk up and and we heard them go, very good, very good, ha, ha. And so I was was a little bit like, yeah, okay. So where do you rank laughing yoga on the yogas, like compared to goat yoga? (laughs) Goat yoga. I mean, that's just my benchmark for all. Full disclaimer, I've not. Yogurt. I've yeah. done bits and pieces of Pilates and whatever, but I've not yogurt. Goat yoga is kind of my. If I look at the yogas, I go, yeah, that, that's that's the jam. Yeah, right. Um, no, um, I, I I don't laughing yoga. I mean, it, it's a type of yoga, I guess. I I, I feel like no, actually, no, that's a lie. It's not a type of yoga. It's not a type of like, yoga. Laughing yoga. What is- qualifies a yoga or not a yoga? <laughs> I'm not. You should. You should have asked uh, Yong Kui, who was on here previously, who's the <laughs> yoga teacher, to to know that one. Um, but no. Um, I, I don't know. Laughing yoga to me feels like it's um, it's trying to jump on the yoga bandwagon and get people into it when actually it's just standing in a circle laughing. So it's kind of like the mindfulness. It's it's the the McDonaldization thing. Well, not even McDonaldization. Just monetizing by putting the name on it. I'm not even sure that laughing yoga ever really charges that much. But yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, if it makes people feel good. Speaking of... It's, um, it's not doing a great deal of harm, as as, as long as it's not l- leaking into the, the microphones today, and I don't think it is. No. We're fine. No, it's fine. Um, speaking <laughs> of animal yogas, um, I visited my dad the other the other week and um, uh, rocked up with my dog, and there was a friend staying who was a vet slash dog acupuncturist, and so okay. uh, Barry immediately received his first dose of dog acupuncture. How did... Barrel Bolt feel about this? I mean, he seemed to be be a little bit uncomfortable with it at the start, but then like settled into it, like kind of like you'd expect a human to react to yeah, the okay. first time doing acupuncture. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. We learn new things every day, and and maybe you'll learn something new in this podcast, dear listener. Maybe you won't. We'll see. Because we're I'm going to bet on won't. <laughs> <laughs> Jamal is Mister Positive today because we're off on another one of our our rambling episodes we've started with yoga and dog acupuncture god knows where we'll wind up so we're in his hands so you had a topic today well i I had a a question for you if you were constructing god like if you were picking the god that you wanted to have what what attributes would god have what would that god be like okay this may go in a completely different direction (laughs) this is a builder god um all right so just to be clear, are we talking about the God that I would ideally want with no constraints or the God that I think is most realistic and likely to exist? No, the, the God that you would ideally want. Right. Like, let's, let's leave realism out of this for a moment. Um, all right. So I guess I haven't thought about this before. This is, this is a good question. Um, I think, yeah, I would want a, a personal god, like a, a god mm-hmm. that I can interact with personally. Um, I think someone you can relate to. Yeah, yep. someone I can relate to. Um, uh, and like you know, I, 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 I'm down with the concept of God being like bigger and greater than a human, right? It's not like I need God to be a human, but like God, I think needs to care about me, mm-hmm. um, and like you know, 
have a level of investment in my problems and the things that I'm going to care about, um, even though I know that they're small in the context of things. Does that mean that like when things go wrong in your life, that would be the God's fault? Or, or not like, necessarily. Okay. No, I mean, like, so he, he, he just care and kind of like. Well, I mean, I made a gentle assumption there. I apologize. God would just care and like, you know, kind of cry with you. Yeah, and like, so you know, I, I I don't think necessarily that I need God to be omnipotent and like the the thing that causes all other things, right? Like, I'm I'm not. I don't need things to all be be able to be traced back to God. But I would say I would need God to be omnipotent in the sense that I'd need. Oh, if I'm in an ideal world, I'd want yeah. God to be able to to fix things, right? To be able to change things for me. And I mean, I'm talking very much from a like what I would want, and I'm a, I appreciate that some of these things aren't super Buddhist, right? So like, it's like it's like a you know, if God did exist and could be anything I wanted, yes. I don't know that I'd want a God that looks like Buddhism. Part of the reason I sure. believe in Buddhism is because I don't believe that God exists. Yeah, right? okay, right. It's a, yeah. it's a re- reflection of reality, but not a reflection of what what I would like. So, you know, for me, I would go, I'd like God to be able to to intervene and to do things because, yeah, you know what, I'd like my problems solved. That would be great. Um, <laughs> you know, um, not that I think that's going to necessarily lead to me um, being a better Buddhist, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Because, um, like, we, we deal with the world as it is, right, like mm-hmm. not as it ought to be. Mm-hmm. And if, if we were making a world as it ought to be, well, as as we think it ought to be, I dare say it would wind up looking quite different. I don't know if it would work. Like, do you know the film Bruce Almighty? Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit partial to kind of that view of. Well, I think I could run things better, and then it turns out. Okay, you know what? Actually, no, I'm yeah. gonna, I'm going to backtrack my last statement actually, because you you mentioned the world as it ought to be, which actually I think is quite different to what I would want. Right, so I, okay. I think inherently, as a human being with cravings and desires and aversions, I'm going to want certain things, which I think is how I interpreted your question initially. Oh, I think that's how I intended it. To be fair, yeah, but I think yeah. a better a better answer for me though is how do I think it, the world God ought to be if God exists, right? Right, and so this sense of like, actually, I'm going to take back that I want God to fix my problems because I don't want God to fix my problems because that then means that I don't learn to fix my problems. Yeah. Right, so I'm going to take that back, but I would say I would like God to have a sense of justice and to have a sense of, like, fairness and equity and, like, that things that happen are reasonable and fair and are kind of, you know, reflective of the just and appropriate way that things should be. In, like, an actions-have-consequences kind of way? A a little bit. Um, But also, like, I appreciate that I might not fully understand what that is, right? Like, I'm not saying it's got to, like, make sense to me. But I probably does, I think, want to... Yeah, I don't know. I I, I want that justice to exist. And and maybe this is linked in with the personable God. I want to be able to kind of effectively have a conversation with God so I can learn about what that is, Even even if I don't inherently understand it to begin with. Yeah, that's 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 really interesting, and th- I mean that concept of justice, like, is such a broad thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. what is justice? And like, as as you touched on, you know, to what extent do we, if we, if we assume a personable God for the moment, which you know I do, mm-hmm. um, like, to to what extent can we understand the full extent of justice? But also, what is justice? Is is justice procedural fairness? Or 
good actions having good consequences, bad actions having bad consequences? Or is there some form of justice that, you know, like is poverty fundamentally unjust or is it just a, a consequence of, I don't know, something? Like, do you know yeah, what I mean? I, uh, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the idea that justice is just procedural fairness. Like I, I think because procedures are all just created, right? Like it's like you can, you know, democracy is a great example of that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you can say that you get a just result in every truly democratic election because the system did what it did and everyone got a vote and whatever else. But I don't think that that is actually a just result because inherently in a one-person, one-vote system, even if you can properly measure and properly allocate and properly represent those votes, um, it doesn't account for inherent power. It doesn't account for structural hegemony or ways in which certain people's voices are inherently louder or that certain people have, uh, you know, a greater need than others. So to me, justice is accounting for all of those things that go beyond so kind the of procedural thing. M- almost like justice is people's needs being met in a sense. I don't know. I'm, I'm not necessarily yeah. trying to define kind of what justice is, but it's just this big nebulous yeah, well, thing. And, 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 and what does it mean for God to be just? Well, I, I think part of it is, part of, you know, maybe it's another layer of what I would want God to be is, God needs to know more than me, right? Because I don't know what justice is, right? It's kind of in the definition, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like I, I, I'm not fully aware of what this is, but like I have a sense of what I think justice is and I have a kind of, you know, broadly equity-based kind of, you know, appropriate, you know, th- equal things to equal measures kind of thing. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know what justice is. Um, so I would like God to know that. <laughs> God having all the answers to things is also helpful. There's kind of like almost a so I've, I've got a mate, a couple of mates actually who are economists, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and economists have this this working assumption that people are fundamentally rational, which of course we're not. But park that. But the the thing that breaks economic models is that people don't have access to perfect information. Yeah. Right. So you'd kind of want God to have access to perfect information in order to be able to not only like know what people needed or what justice looked like for a particular person or whatever, but also to be able to know what actions would lead to what consequences Mm. in order to make said justice happen. Yeah, actually, that, that God was, fixes economics. In this. <laughs> it, was, it reminds me of this time a Christian and a Buddhist walked into a bar. Oh, this is early. Um, I know. Oh, you said you wanted the movie. Yeah, it's good. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so th- this bar was in heaven, and um, they, they they went in there, and um, they ran into an economist, a um, a chemist, and a physicist, and they're all poor dead. blokes. I know, and and they're all <laughs> dead. Um, and so yeah, they were like, oh yeah, being the heaven bar, the standard question you guys, oh, how'd you die? What what happened? Um, so they yeah, yeah they went up to them and they were like, you know, tell us your story. How'd you die? And they were like, oh, we all died on this island, right? So we, we right. were on a plane, crashed on this desert island, and you know we were sitting there and we you know we were waiting to get rescued and we didn't have we didn't really have anything except we had a bunch of cans of beans, you know. So the plane had had all these cans of beans. We couldn't open the can, right? So we we're trying to work out how to open the can. The physicist uh, had gone, yeah. Well, like, so you know, my plan was to like you know use um use like a, a lever and try and like, you know, work it out and prize it open, whatever else. It, it didn't work. It just, you know, I, I tried it, couldn't quite get the um, the fulcrum point properly and it, it just didn't work. And so What chem- use is physics? I know, yeah. right? And the chemist was like, yeah, right. So, so then I, I, I had a shot trying to like make up a mixture to like blow it open and, you know, like, you know, 
actually you know, open the can with with the right kind of chemicals, and yep. like, it, it didn't work. It didn't yep. have the right chemicals, right? And then and they were like, okay. So then the economist was like, all right, I'll take a turn, um, and and you know they were like, all right, this is it. This is our last chance. You know, if if we, this doesn't work, we're all going to starve and die. And the economist goes, yeah. So I got everyone in a circle and I said, okay, everyone, presume a can opener. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no. <laughs> Wait, were we? <laughs> so it's something about economics and justice. But I, I think it's a good point, right? I think it's um, I think it's this sense of like, you know, the uh, people aren't rational, right? People, you know, people mm-hmm. don't just, you know, make the best choices in every situation. They don't have perfect information. They can't just, you know, do. You know the Homo economicus kind of model is well and truly defunct, right? And yet, I think our systems haven't caught up to that. You mm-hmm. know, we still have a well, lot because of our this. systems have to make assumptions about things, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm interested uh, to go on a tangent because this is what we're doing here, right? It's but a rambling episode. <laughs> I, I'm interested in, from a religious perspective, where those systems have inbuilt into them God's justice as a kind of presupposition for a lot of their structural assumptions, mm-hmm. right? Like, so, you know. Um, Do you mean God as in God in Christian conception or Muslim conception or whatever? Yeah. Or if, if we assume that there is an omnipotent, om, that, yeah, omnipotent God, that those structures would appear in human systems anyway? Um, so I think it's probably the more of the former, like like in, yep. in the sense that like so the clear example I'm thinking of is like you know when they um, when they did like witch trials and they were like oh well you know we'll we will uh, you know tie you up and throw you in a river and you know if you are uh, if you sink well it's fine because God will save you and that means you're innocent but actually if you float then you're a witch and will burn you so you can't win here but like but this sense of like you know, the fact that God will save you or that God will intervene if you're innocent or that like, you know, or even in our more modern structures, I think even things like you go to court and you swear on a Bible, Mm -hmm. you take an oath to be truthful on a Bible. It's it's the presumption that that means something that like, that, that God is inbuilt into those structures and that the presence of God implies a level of justice, Mm -hmm. even where, the structures themselves are not just. And kind of like binds humans in some sense. Like, Because yeah. if I swear on a Bible, like that's a that's a powerful thing and I'm not going to want to break that oath mm. is the assumption there, right? But can we push on that a little further? Because I I think we've talked about this before, but not on the podcast. I'd, I'd love to get your idea on something like universal human rights, right? Mm. Like Because they're obviously like a, a big part of the, the Western justice canon and the, the global justice canon even. And, like, I'm not convinced how you get there without some form of Christian or perhaps perhaps Jewish or Muslim, but, like, certainly some kind of monotheistic people are created and valued by God concept. Like, I, I love that universal human rights exist and I love that people who don't believe in God believe they're important, but I don't see how you get there in the absence of God. You absolutely can't. Um, like I mean, this, this oh well, that was easy. There yeah. we go. <laughs> but this is the major criticism um, run by a lot of the Asian nations to um, to universal human rights, right? And it's like 
you know, the, the argument is that the UN Declaration of Human Rights is the UN Declaration of Western Rights, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's imperialistic. It, it's, yeah, yeah. It, it's colonial, right? Yeah. Um, and it's, it is absolutely based on Western Christian concepts, probably European concepts of what rights are, you know? Like, yeah, there's, you know, I, 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 I can't remember, remember them off the top of my head, but like, you know, the right to liberty or the right to freedom of mm-hmm. expression or whatever it freedom is. Freedom of religion. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah like, that, that yeah. is absolutely a Western right. It, I would actually say they're probably more humanist than Christian. I, I, I think you get there through Christianity because you get to humanism through Christianity. Okay. Um. So I think there, there's, the, there's a chain there. But if you wanted to draw a direct line, I think they're, to me, they're more humanist. Um. But yeah, I mean, I, I mean, human rights is actually the example I most often use when I'm trying to make an argument for kind of um, holding contradiction, right? So the the general bugbear that you always have with me, which is that I can hold that things are contradictory and they don't matter, and you know what, I don't care about that. <laughs> You're just ferociously relativistic. Yeah, yeah. But human rights is actually the main example I use when I'm explaining that to people, right? Where I go, human rights are clearly not true. Right there, there to me at least, there is mm-hmm. no fundamental basis for human rights. Like they, there is nothing actually true or real or you know. You know I'm sorry. No, no I, one is born with a right to an education. I, I, I agree with that entirely, unless God. Right, sure, like, yes. which is actually where you get into this really interesting. Just a tangent from the yeah. tangent slightly. You get you get into this interesting thing around abortion, right? Mm. Because the 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 biggest argument that, so far as I can see, for for a pro-choice, sorry, pro-choice, pro-life position, as it's put, is that you know unborn children are valuable because they're human and made in the image of God and loved by God and all the rest of it, which is actually like the entire this, the same argument as universal human rights, just mm-hmm. starting a little earlier. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, sorry to finish the um yeah the contradiction point. The um yeah, human rights are not true, right? Um, however, I am very very dedicated to living my life in such a way as to spend most of my time defending and trying to promote universal human rights. You know, like, yeah, living as if they were true. Yeah, and 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 I think it's a collective um, lie that we tell ourselves as a society that just is very, very useful and makes society work a lot better and makes us all better people. And, you know, actually, I really do believe that it is in the best interests of every single human being on the planet that we collectively pretend that they are real. Um, And I'm totally comfortable with that. I'm very happy to know that they're not real and also be completely dedicated to pretending they're real. So to... to circle back to where we started with the invention of a god right like mm. would you would you want such a god to create something along the lines of universal human rights would that be useful or or simply tolerate that people think that it's useful but i would have thought inventing it was more useful um yeah i mean i, I think that would make sense i'm not trying to go aha you're a christian by mm. the way or anything like that but like it, it, yeah yeah i mean I, I think that would make sense i think um you know Again, it's probably ties in with the justice thing, right? I think yeah. that probably, you know, having a clear arbiter of what is right and wrong is probably a good thing, right? I, I think it's um, it's certainly very useful and practical and helps. Um, I, again, though, I think I, I think maybe the, the 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 difficulty is is that 
I have certain opinions about what I think those rights should be. And if I'm inventing a god, I know that I'm giving up that authority to define that. But like, you know, I... Oh, I, that's interesting. So it's like, a, it, so it's not that you would want that god to hold the same views as you. That's, that would be the regret about yeah. there being a god is that you couldn't then just have whatever views you wanted. Or that... That um, I, I, it's more so that if it turns out my views are wrong, right? so like you know, I, I would love. Yeah, it if, is a problem. If yeah. there was a if there was a god arbiter of justice, I'd want them to say value diversity of thought and opinion, and not you know not need everybody to believe the same thing. Um, and but if God turns around and goes, no, actually, no, this is the one right way. So, well, if I've invented God, I can't. I, I'm stuck there. I just <laughs> if gotta, you've invented a God that knows more than you, yeah, you yeah. have to kind of like yeah, have to d- live with that. <laughs> Yeah. Um. So I'm, I'm trying to flip this question to you and see and kind of yeah, no, find, please, a, way, find a way to ask this. I feel like I've been kind of well, cool. Because yeah. again, I, I can't ask you to invent a god because you're just going to spout out this Christian god back at me because yeah, that's the one you believe. I, I, like it, it's a genuinely interesting question for me, and I, I don't have a pat answer for you as to whether I would prefer God to be the God I know or prefer God to be different in some way. I, I actually find it quite hard to okay, okay. conceptualize like what would a different God be and would here's, that be an improvement on... Here's a version of the question then, and you might not be able to say this because it might be blasphemous, but like... <laughs> I'll give it a go. Is there anything you would change about God? Like if, if, you, oh, could, if you could control who and what God was and what they did, what would you change about God... Um, from your understanding of God, like so, yeah. yeah. Take what God is now for you, and you have free reign to 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 shake it up. Yeah, that's an awesome question. I I would want if I was picking it, I I would want God to be more obvious. There's a um, there's a book by um, John Dixon, who's an Australian apologist, um, who said if I were I haven't read the book, but I've read the title. If I was God, I'd make myself clearer. Mm. Is the title of his book. Um, and I, I fully get the reasons why God would not do that related to you know, faith and trust and, and so on. Um, but yeah, I, I, would, I would like God to, to be more obvious about it and, and not just kind of more obvious about the existence of God, um, but you know, more obvious about like why is there still seeming injustice, right? Like why can some guy like Vladimir Putin to pick a person completely at random um, rise to a powerful position in the world in order to like, like to be part of a group of people inflicting such hurt and pain for no apparent good reason on another whole group of people. Like why does God let that happen? And, and you know, theologians and thinkers and pastors and stuff have good like there's good thoughts around this and there's good explanations and attempts to wrestle with it and it's helpful in that instance to to actually have a, a personal relatable god to whom you can say why what's going on um but you don't necessarily get clear answers to that um i, th- I think that would remove a lot of the place of faith and it seems like god has good reasons for for faith to be part of the way we relate we relate to God, if for no other reason. Um, but yeah, there you go. Yeah, I find that interesting, right? Because like inherently, I would agree with you, right? If 
if I'm if I'm building God, I think being clear and knowable is, is important. But I also I can sense or I can understand why not knowing is actually important. Like mm-hmm. there's almost that yeah. drive that pushes you to explore. You know, for example, I don't mm. think we'd have this podcast if God was more knowable. Because we'd know. Because right? we'd know. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, uh, 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 <laughs> if God was completely knowable, I'd be a Christian, you'd be a Christian. Yep. We might have a podcast sitting and talking about how great God is. Maybe that's but what it would be a, like. Yeah, it'd be yeah. a really boring <laughs> podcast. And like, you know, I, I think like, yeah, we, we wouldn't be having a dialogue, right? We wouldn't yeah, be yeah. having a conversation where we have different perspectives on, you know, because I, I, th- I think fundamentally what we do is we we answer, I, maybe this is a little bit of um, on the nose, but like, you know, I, I forgot who, it's, who said it, but there was some someone that said that like, you know, all religion is an attempt to answer the problem of evil, right? Like mm-hmm. what you yeah. said. Oh, yeah. yeah, I can see that. Why yeah. would God do blah? All various religions are just different ways of answering that question. And like, you know, I think you answer that question through, you know, your sense of what God is and, and justice, whatever else. I answer that question through the sense of, well, that's the way the world is and there mm-hmm. is no God to to do it. So God, God is not there, which is why it happens. Um, but, you know, we wouldn't have that dialogue. We wouldn't be yeah. having that kind of exchange, which, you know, maybe in a world where God is more visible doesn't matter, but certainly I think it makes this world more interesting and more engaging. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And there's an interesting, just to kind of circle back in my own head, in my own thoughts, like there's an extent to which God is revealed in Jesus, right? Like, and that should be enough. And I would say is enough, but that, that looks kind of weird at the same time. Right. Like, but yeah, it does makes for a more interesting world. That's a, that's a good way to, to put it. And cause you mentioned like way back at the top of the episode that like you wanted to be able to learn, right? Like that, that would be something that you would want, um, you, you wouldn't want to have a God that took that away. Um, and I've, I've got some friends, I might have mentioned this on the podcast before, who are like engineering physicist types who want there to be problems to solve in the resurrection life, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the engineers would be like, they feel like it would be boring to not have problems to solve. And well, I find that a really interesting like, yeah, what, what is perfection? Well, I think it's human nature to want to do something, right? Like, I think. Yeah. You know, I mean, one of the yeah, again, well, this is a very rambly episode, um, but like, I, one one of the big like and subscribe. Guys. <laughs> uh, one of the big problems um, that you have with, say, things like unemployment, right, is honestly, I think there are equal amounts of problems in terms of like broader economic productivity for a nation state, but actually, the kind of the dissatisfaction and despair and um you know the issue the personal issues that arise from Mm. people who don't have a way of engaging with society in a way of contributing to society right and you know this is one of the one of the kind of the key problems you run into when you're when people are talking about things like universal basic income right which is to say that you know, I think most people, if they get given a UBI, would work in some capacity anyway. But it's that like, seems to be the model. Yeah, yeah, but but how you know how do you how do you make sure that when you support people to do whatever they want, that those things still give them fulfillment? 
mm. and that you know that that I think we've structured our society to build around you know your employment and your work to be a kind of major way in which you engage with society and contribute. But it's like, okay, how do we make sure though that people have a an ability and a means and an avenue for contribution and fulfillment and to solve puzzles and do things, even when the impetus of needing to do so to feed yourself is gone. And that's really interesting on two fronts. The first being that kind of our generation, kind of the millennials, maybe Gen Xs, seem to get our value from work more than previous generations did. I mean, like vocational employment. There's um, Pew Research data out of the US on this, that um, people's identity is more bound up in their work where previous generations it was family or whether you lived or, or whatever. But the other is kind of like theological, at least from a Christian perspective, right? Because if part of the Christian understanding of God is that God has like God has done everything that is necessary for salvation, however you want to unpack that. Like Jesus died on the cross, rose again, you're like you're welcome into you know the kingdom of god right and so what do you do like you don't like one theologian um put it like what do you do when you don't have to do anything it's exactly that problem like if we're kind of passive recipients of god's grace and god's goodness and as you said like having a podcast sitting around talking about how great is god like yeah what well, what do you do when there's nothing that you need to do in order to kind of i mean earn anything from god is a classic way of putting it but mm -hmm. like yeah when, when your life is secure and and that's that's not your doing what do you do yeah and it's um yeah it, the, it's, the answer by the way is just love other people but <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's nice but like but yeah i think like it's a structural problem right and i, I think it's a you know, to to flip the kind of presumptions we've made up to this point in the podcast on its head, if we are going to presume God as a, um, I, I need I need to come up with a term for this. Maybe you can help me. But like, how do I refer to when I'm talking about God as a structure rather than God as an entity? Right. So like, if I want to make Ooh. a comment to say what is the function that God plays in this scenario? Like, sure. So the the, the I want a shorthand for like the presumption of like, hey, I'm presuming that God here is only playing a anthropological sociological function rather than a um so what you're saying is that there is no god there's just social structures yes um but i'm allowing for god to have a role in those social structures does god exist in this no then you have no god you just have social structures and you have people who think there's a god sure okay but yeah. is there a shorthand i can use to when i'm referring to that presumption social structures i don't know, uh, like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah um um deistic social structures structural god Sure, go with that. I'm going to go yeah. with a structural God. All right. Anyway, um, the point I was trying to make was like, <laughs> you know, so you know, when I'm thinking about a structural God, right, and God in that scenario, like having God value work and value doing things and value contributing to society is really important, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think you have... You know, I think you mentioned before about this whole unconditional love thing, right? It's like if God loves you unconditionally, doesn't matter what you do, doesn't matter anything else, right? Then you just like, you know, like there, there is no driver, right? Like, like if 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 the thing to get in life, if the way that you have a good life is to be loved by God, 
and yeah. God will love you no matter what. What is the reason for doing anything, right? Like it's it's it, you've or you, by by playing the game, you've won the game, right? And so it's like in a scenario when you, we talk about a structural God here, it's like you know God has to have to want something of you, and God has to you know God's love has to be somehow tied in with you doing something that's helping the social structures. But like, so that's making some major assumptions, right? And this is what full disclosure. What started me on thinking about this rambling episode was the one we did a couple of couple of episodes ago. Uh, you can go back and find it. Stuff Luther said, um, but like that's that's kind of making the conservative political assumption that we're all doll bludgers unless you know assumed otherwise. And the the universal the argument against the universal basic income that you were saying that like well if you just give people money. They're not going to do anything. If you just love people and they don't have to earn it, they're not going to do anything. It, it doesn't allow for love to be transformative and it doesn't allow for people to be turned into, to, to become people who are fundamentally good, if I can put it that way. Well, so I'm not necessarily saying that if you just love people, they won't do anything. What I am saying is if you just love people, they won't do the things you want them to do inherently that they're not going to do the things that perpetuate the existing structures, right? So I guess the example I'm okay, thinking well, of is... Okay, so that's where like probably church, right? my my God in my understanding is actually different to the structural God that sure. you're yeah. describing then. Yeah, because yeah, right. I, I would say that God is not... Like, that human structures are sinful because humans are sinful and there's elements of God's goodness in them, but there's also they're corrupted and everything else. Well, exactly right. right. And there, I would certainly advocate for this idea that the structures are imperfect and that the things that we require ourselves to do, that, you know, the things that are required to make a global capitalist system work are probably not inherently good, right? <laughs> yeah. Like they're, 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 yeah. yeah, they're inherently. If, I, if I'm, if I'm going to say good or evil, I'm probably going to say evil, right? Utilitarian um, at best. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, if you're in the 1%. Yes. Again, sidebar because we're doing this today. Um, <laughs> listening to an excellent podcast uh, called The Prince by The Economist, which is a, um, a kind of a, an eight-part series on, on Xi Jinping. Uh, and th- they use an excellent way of describing it, which is this like, perfect, t- uh, perfect way of talking about it, which I hadn't heard before, which is that the modern Chinese state and the Chinese Communist Party is one big utilitarian experiment. Like, it, it, it is utilitarianism to the extreme. Like, that is what it is doing. Yeah, but utilitarian for who? For the most amount of Chinese people. Like, mm-hmm. like that's it, right? So they're totally... Well, so that might be breaking at the moment, then. Maybe, oh, right, Sorry, I'm letting yeah. my political analyst hat out in a theology podcast. Yeah. I apologise, Lucas. <laughs> but yeah, like they're, they're totally fine with locking down 2 million people in Shanghai if it helps 1 billion people elsewhere yeah. be more safe. Yeah, okay. So ultimately utilitarian in in that, yeah. like in the, the most number, good for yeah. the greatest number. Yeah, yeah which, which interestingly doesn't necessarily gel with universal human rights. It doesn't, which is why China is one of the largest criticism, yeah. critics of human rights. Um, anyway, sorry. Um but, but I don't know. I, I, I guess the point is that it's like, I think the structures are bad, right? And I do think that if there is a God, God would probably not want us to do the things that contribute to those structures, right? But when I'm talking about a structural God, yeah, I'm talking about institutions like the Catholic Church who 
are trying to perpetuate structures and using God to justify that, right? And so I'm, you know, I, mm-hmm. I guess what I'm talking about is, yeah, the function that God plays in those scenarios to say, oh, well, yeah, of course God wants you to toil the land and not actually ask for any pay from your king and that kind of thing because, you know, that's going to help the structures work. Which takes us back actually to witchcraft, right? Like which is a kind of dodgy legal you know, fiction, essentially, that it it seems from the historical anthropological study that's been done into the various witch trials served as social balancing, you know, purpose that didn't actually value the people involved, or at least, you know, not the scapegoats involved. And if God values people and if God values scapegoats, and actually to put my full Christian hat on for a second, like if, you know, if Jesus is the ultimate scapegoat in some sense, well, then that's not the kind of justice God wants. It's a kind of justice that serves some human ends for some people, maybe even for a majority of people, but but isn't truly just. Yeah. Um, we, we've got to wind up, unfortunately. But but my, my final tangent I just got reminded of was um a book that a friend of mine told me about, which I'm forgetting the name of, but that posited that um the very first witches and the concepts that we have of witches came from are Brewsters and um, women who were brewing and selling beer. Oh, um, and, yeah, yeah, Because, you know, essentially yep. there is proof that uh, women who sold beer at markets wore pointy hats so that people could find out yes. where the beer was. So they had large cauldrons of things. They had cats to keep the mice out of where the... Where did I um, hear this recently? Maybe I told you it. It's uh, maybe. off the podcast, but yeah. yeah. Uh, but they had cats to keep the mice out and they had brooms to, you know, sweep stuff up. And, um, and essentially that the... The persecution of witches became um, was actually essentially about trying to disempower women from economic activity. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's not surprising. Yeah, bloody men, bloody men. <laughs> actually, I, I I I'll drop this here because I told a friend I would I would try and squeeze it into the podcast. But you know, um, you know what? Just just putting it out there that um that if what it takes to kill all the men is for me to be the first one into the furnace, you know what? I'll I'll take that. There you go. Yeah. You heard it here first, you heard it ladies here first. and gentlemen. If you can convince Jamal that him being first into the furnace will, in fact, end all men, um, write to us. Yeah. ChristianBuddhistBar at gmail.com is where you can find us. You can play some Kevin McLeod in the background as we're going in. You um, certainly can. Thanks for the music, Kev. Uh, and yeah, thanks for listening to the Radical Feminist Podcast. A Christian would us walk into a bar where two men sit around and talk about <laughs> how they should um, end their own gender. Um, it's been great to chat with you, Jacob. This has been a very rambling episode, but I love it. Oh, me too, Jamal. We'll see you next week. Bye.